Amen. Let's begin this morning in Ephesians chapter 3. I'm just going to jump right into um, verse 14. And this is a prayer that Paul is praying for the church in Ephesus. Um, and he's imprisoned at the time, but he's writing this prayer, this letter as a prayer over them. And he says, For this reason I bow my knee before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in the inner man. How many of you this morning would be honest honest enough to say, I need a little bit of strengthening in my inner man? Amen. Amen. Well, Father, I pray over each person this morning that raised their hand. God, you said that you would strengthen us on the inside by your spirit, by your the power of your Holy Spirit. So, God, I ask you to strengthen each one of us today in Jesus' name. And then he goes on and he said, so notice the strengthening isn't done by us. We don't strengthen ourselves. The strengthening is done by the Holy Spirit. It's the power of the Holy Spirit that causes the inside of us to change. It causes the inside of us to go from feeling weak, feeling inadequate, feeling not enough, to being able to be strengthened with the power that God has for us to live our lives in. And that power is not anything that we can even comprehend with our minds because it's beyond our natural thinking. It's a supernatural power that enables us to walk through situations that we didn't even know we could walk through, that we could step out and do things that we never even dreamt that we could do. That's the kind of power that the Holy Spirit wants to empower you with today and every day. And as you as you stay in his presence, as you get into his word, as you just spend time with him, as you ask him, he will give. Amen. And then he goes on, and we're not, I'm not even preaching about that this morning. That was a freebie for you all. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Now, remember, he's speaking to the church, right? So this isn't unbelievers that he's speaking about saying, you got to get saved through faith, right? He's reminding Christians that Christ dwells in you by faith. The Christians needed to be reminded that you have the power of God residing in you. That word dwell means take up permanent residency. The spirit of God, the power of God takes up permanent residency within your spirit. He never leaves you. He never forsakes you. He never leaves you on your own. And he doesn't leave you helpless. He's always there to help. So how many times do we try to go through life and face trials and face such hard times in our life and we struggle and we struggle in trying to do it ourselves? And then finally it dawns on us, maybe I should ask God for help. I can't tell you how many times in, in my life, I mean, it's a short one, but just kidding, in over my years of life, I've struggled to try fix the problem because I'm a problem solver. I, I, you know, I feel like I can do that fairly well. So then I, my tendency is to rely on my own strength, to rely on my own ability to get myself out of this jam to get myself through this situation. But I have to constantly remind myself that God is within me. His power resides in me to strengthen me, to enable me, to help me when I don't feel like I can do it, that he's there to come alongside and say, come on, you can do it, Kim. Come on, we're going to walk through this. 
If you're facing any kind of difficulty this morning, God is here to say, I am here to walk through with you. I am here to help you through. You do not have to struggle. You do not have to worry. You do not have to fret about it because he is here to enable you by his power to walk through. And then he goes on and says, and this is the part I want to focus on today, that you being rooted and grounded in love. I think this is one of the key things in a Christian life that a lot of us are really lacking. Um, we can say we walk in love, but then do we? <laughs> you know, and, and the, key, the thing is, is that where are our roots connected? What are our roots connected to? What's our root system? Right? Roots, we all know what roots do for a tree. They go down. They provide nutrients. They provide nourishment to keep the tree alive. They also provide nutrients to provide so that fruit can come from that tree. But the roots also provide stability for that tree. So what is our root system grounded to? Because when hard times come, do we feel like we topple over? When I look at my life and I see things coming out of my mouth and I go, that's ugly. I don't even like that. Why did I say that? Where did that fruit come from? See, it's not a fruit issue. It's a root issue. It comes from the root. What are you grounded to? What are your roots going deep into? Because we all have a root system and our root system is going into something. Whether you want to believe it or not, something is motivating you. And a lot of times we lose focus of where our roots, what our roots should be grounded into, should be connected to. And all of a sudden our, our root system is being motivated by social media, by the people around us, by our flesh. You know, we can have our root system just grounded right into our own self. And sometimes that's the hardest one to get or pull our roots out of, right? And reground them. Because we trust ourselves a lot of times. We we feel like we like to be in control of the situation. And when I have my root system into God, I got to give up that control. It can't be me making the decisions. I mean, ultimately, yeah, I make the decision, but I'm motivated by God. I'm motivated by his love. So it says here we need to be rooted and grounded in love. The roots are the source of how we grow. And as we are rooted in the love of God, confidence comes. Right? As I'm rooted in who God is, and I remember what he's done for me, and I remember what he said about me, and I remember the promises that he has given me, and when I take hold of that, then a confidence comes within me. That confidence that, like Paul says, that through Christ I can do anything, where did that confidence come from? Because his roots were grounded into the right thing, the love of God. You know, so many of us maybe don't grow up in, in a, a Christian home. We don't grow up learning about God from a young age. So we come into this with a lot of misconceived 
um, conceptions of who God is. Because we hear the world around us saying these things that they think God is, but they don't know God. So they say something like, well, God's just ready to strike you down. He's waiting for you to make the wrong move, to do something that he doesn't like, and then, bam, he's going to whack you with something. You know, how many people think, oh, you're sick. Well, you must have done something. God, this is God teaching you a lesson. That's not the kind of God we serve. God is a God of love. God is a God of mercy. God is a God of, of just compassion and, and faithfulness. So when we truly get to know who God is, we know his love. A lot of us come in and we go, oh, I got to do things for God and he'll love me more. But God's love isn't based on my performance. I can do as many things as I want to serve God, but God's not going to love me anymore. And that's the thing you have to settle within yourself the love of God, that no matter what, God's love is unconditional. No matter what, he is not going to turn his back on you. You know, and so many times we judge God's love by the people around us. So we see how they've loved us with an earthly love. And it's like, oh, they didn't like what I did. And all of a sudden, they're not my friends anymore, right? Well, then we, then we take this idea, though, to God and we go, uh-oh, I just did something that I know doesn't please God. So now he's going to be mad at me. How many times do we think that? But when we, that's a lie from the enemy. Because when the enemy can get us to think that and believe that, he's going to keep us at arm's length away from God. We're not going to truly run to God with our own arms open wide, even when we know we're not perfect, even when we know we've done things that he probably isn't very happy with. But when I stay rooted and I stay grounded in that love, that love of acceptance, that love of you're, you're more than enough for me, even though you mess up, you're more than enough. Because to God we are. He doesn't see our mistakes. He sees us. He sees us. And then it says to be grounded. It's kind of the same idea, right? It's that, built, that, that word grounded. I looked it up in the Greek, and it means laid the foundation. So we're to lay the foundation of the love of God in our lives. And when hard times, when storms come in our life, what do we run to? Because that's a really good indicator where your roots are grounded yep. or where they're connected, sorry. When, when tough times come, what do I turn to? And, and some of the things that we turn to may not be bad in themselves, but when we've put them in the place of God, we've put them as an idol in our life instead of God. When I'm hurting, where do I turn to? Do I turn to the love of God, the love of the Father that, that comes and wraps his arms around me and says it's going to be okay? Do I come to the, the Father who, who just, just set, looks at me with kind and loving eyes even though I feel really horrible for what I've done? This is where we have got to get our roots into. So the enemy can't lie to us any longer that God won't do something for me because of my performance or lack of. See, God looks at the relationship, not the performance. He just wants to have a relationship with you. He just wants to 
show himself to you. He wants to work through you. He wants to use you for his glory. And in return, we get to live a life of joy, of peace, of love. It's a pr pretty good exchange, I think, <laughs> from what I've observed. Yeah. When we're rooted in God's love, then we know, we can truly know who we are. You know, the enemies really come to try confuse us in who we are, to keep us feeling like we're never good enough, to keep us feeling like we could never reach the standard that God has for us. Those are all lies of the enemy. And so when we keep our roots grounded in his love, we begin to see ourselves the way he sees us. We begin to see others through his eyes. See, we truly can't love others if we don't know God's love. Right. We can't. There's no way we can love other people the way we're intended to love them if we don't understand the love of the Father. If we don't operate in his love, we can't reach out to others. You know, and what does God's love look like? First Corinthians 13 tells us, right? Love is patient. Love is kind. Love doesn't seek its own self. Love is not jealous. Love doesn't, you know, keep that wrong in our back pocket for another time to bring it up. <laughs> love bears all things. Love believes all things. Love hopes all things. Have you ever felt hopeless? Have you ever felt discouraged? If that's the case, then we got to go, okay, my roots aren't in the right place. Because if I, my roots were grounded in the love of God, love doesn't lose hope. And then to always remember that love never fails. The love of God will never fail. So as we're, ground, we're rooted in his, his roots, we know who we are in him. We can also rest in him. We can rest in his love. When the storms are going on all around us, and we all have them all the time, it seems like chaos sometimes everywhere around us. But we can rest in the love of God because I know that I know that I know that God loves me. And I know that he loves me, so I know he's never going to leave me by myself. I know he loves me so much that I know that he's not going to just, you know, feed me to the wolves, so to speak. His love continues for me on and on. And then... As my roots are connected to his, to his love, then I can produce fruit that lasts. The kind of God kind of fruit that he wants us to bear, right? Ephesians 5.22 tells us the fruit of the Spirit. Verse 1, love. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control. These are all the things that come out of us being rooted in the love of God. These are the fruit that we should see in our lives. And like I said before, if, if, don't look at the fruit and go, I don't like that fruit. What's wrong with that fruit? Because not, that's not the issue. The issue is what you're connected to. 
Because a tree that's healthy and in good soil and its roots are connected well, it's going to produce good fruit. It's going to be stable. So when things come, when hard times come, I'm not flopping all over. You know, the trees that have their roots that just kind of go along the surface and they don't go deep. Those are the trees that when a big wind comes, those are the ones that you see plopped over and their roots sticking up. Their roots didn't go deep. How many times in our lives do we feel like a storm just came by and I'm that tree flopped over with my root half up in the air? You know, we all felt that way. Like, what just happened? (laughs) But the good news is, is that I could begin to just dig my roots back into the love of God to begin to focus on what God says, who he says he is and what he'll do for me and how he will constantly, just the reminder that he gave everything for me. Like, think about that. He gave everything for us. Everything. That's how much he loves us. How do you know that, how do you know how much someone loves you? Well, by the, how much it costs them, right? It costs Jesus everything. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have eternal life. This is who God is. He sent his son to forgive us of our sin so that we could spend eternity with him, that we could spend this earth with him, connected to him. We also know how much someone loves us by how little we deserved it, yet they gave it to us right? And God, it said, but, but God demonstrated his love for us while we were yet sinners. Christ died for us. Even when we wanted nothing to do with God, he loved us that much. Even when we may have spoke poorly of him, turned our back on him and ran the other way and probably spit in his face too. He just stood there and he said, but I love you. And I love you so much that I don't want to see you perish. I want, I've come up with a plan so that doesn't have to happen. I don't want to see you bound. I don't want to see you, um, you know, just being tormented by the enemy. So he sent Jesus. And it says that Jesus came to destroy every work of the enemy. Right? Why did Jesus come to do that for you and me? So that we can live free here on this earth. So we could have that abundant life that Jesus says in John 10, 10, the thief comes to steal and destroy, kill, steal, and destroy. But I've come to give you life and to give it to you more abundantly. That's what Jesus came to do, to give us the abundant life. So he had to come and destroy every work of the enemy. And now he's left his Holy Spirit. God has to, to help us and he's empowered us to walk around this earth with the same power that Jesus had that we could go and we could um, set the captives free yeah. that we could preach freedom to those that are bound yeah. this is what God's done for us all because he loves us all because he doesn't want us to be kept in the grips of the enemy his love is so great. First John 3, 1, um, see how great the Father's love is that he has lavished. He lavishes his love on you. He pours it out to the max. 
just picture that. Even when we maybe aren't doing what we know we should, maybe when we know that he might be disappointed in us, we think that. Think about him lavishing his love on you. How great a father's love that he would lavish it on you. It's a love that never changes. Don't let the enemy lie to you and say, but I did this so God can't love me. Or maybe you're at that place where you say, but I did love God and I gave him everything and then I really just stepped away. Don't let the enemy lie to you and beat you up. God's love for you hasn't changed. It's the same from the very first day you met him. That love is the same. It hasn't changed. He is still wrapping his arms around you. So we're rooted and we're grounded in love. And then, it, and then Paul prays that we'd be able to comprehend what, with all the saints, with all the holy ones, what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth. This just shows how infinite God's love is, how vast his love is, how it reaches to every corner of your life. There is no part of your life that God can't touch. There's no part of your life that God's love can't reach. And then to know the love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge that you may be filled up to all the fullness of Christ. Paul goes on after he said, you need to be rooted and grounded in love. And then he, and then he just shows us how vast that love is. How amazing and how great, how infinite the love of God is. And then he says that he prays that you would know the love of God. How many times do we pray, God, that I would love you more? God, I pray that you would help me love you more. That's not what Paul's praying, though, here for the church in Ephesus. He's saying, God, I pray that they know the love of God. And that word know there is not like a a knowledge, it's experience. It's a personal experience. So Paul is praying that each one of us would have a personal experience with the love of God, that we would have an encounter with the love of God that we've never had before. And that is my prayer for each one of us today, that as we walk out of this room, that somehow, some way, you see God in a different light. You see God in a different way, that you look at him and you say, no, for the years I've believed this lie, but today I see God loves loves me that it's it that it is just it's unnegotiable I don't care what the devil says God loves me I don't care how I feel God loves me you have got to get to that place in your life that nothing can shake you off of the love of God no hard time no trial no person nothing can shake you off of this that God loves me And to know the love of God, to experience the love of God. Every day we should be growing in that, growing deeper in our experience with God. It's not just a head knowledge. That's why we can't treat this word like a textbook. 
Because it's not a textbook. It's not just me reading this so I can gain so much knowledge about God. No, it's about, yeah, we need to read it and we need to gain that knowledge. But then we've got to make that transfer from here to here. That I experience him. That he becomes so real to me. That I fall in love with him more than I've ever fallen in love with him before. You know, for those of you that have been married, when you first meet your spouse, it's like, you know, there's just, love just feels like it's never ending. <laughs> it's so great. You know, and then as years go on, if you don't work at it, if you don't put the effort in, sometimes that can wane a little bit. Not with my husband, though. He's amazing. <laughs> it's the same with God. When we first come to God, there's that excitement, that's the joy of what he's done for us. And we're like, yes, this is who God is. And we want to tell everybody about what God's done for me. But as time goes on and the enemy picks a little bit and hard times come, sometimes that love starts to fade a little bit. And we start to get busy in our life. And we, we, are, we lose focus of maybe our purpose, maybe of who we're supposed to be, what we're supposed to do, because life gets in the way. And all of a sudden, it's like, I don't even feel like God loves me anymore, or I don't even know if I love God anymore. And then the enemy has a heyday with that, right? You, you, you meditate on that thought for any length of time, and he is going to turn that in so many ways that you're going to be so confused about even who God is. That's why we have to guard our mind against those thoughts of the enemy. You can't allow him to twist what God has said. You have got to believe what God says and settle it. Just settle it. Just settle it today. God loves me. Settle it when the enemy tries to lie. No, that's not true, devil. God loves me. Amen. I don't care. Uh, yeah, I, yeah, I messed up. Yeah, I sinned. God loves me. Right. It never changes. Amen. Settle it today that he loves you. And then it goes to know the love of God, um, which surpasses knowledge, right? Talking about from here to here. So it's the, this love of God, it surpasses this head knowledge. It has to be the experience, the love of God. Ask yourself, when's the last time I truly experienced the love of God? Because we can all go through the motions. We've been doing this, a lot of us, for a lot of years. We can walk through the motions of every day. We know the right things to say. But let's get real with ourselves today. And say, ask yourself, when is the last time I really experienced for myself the love of God? When did I just sit in his presence and just soak up his love? When's the last time that I just went running to him and opened up the truth of who I am and what I'm feeling and saying, God, help me. God, heal me today. Our culture has trained us to not do that, to not run to God. 
to not take the time. But to look for all these other fancy things that we think are good to run to, but they just leave us feeling empty. They feel us leaving, they, they make us feel hopeless. For a time they might be good, but it's a, it's a short season that those things that look fancy and good, it's just short season that they satisfy. But when I am stable in the love of God, I can just rest in him. Even when my mind might be racing 100 miles an hour, I can go rest in him. That you may be filled up to all fullness of God. You know the three, four scriptures we read? It's like a pyramid, right? It starts with the power of God strengthening our inner man, right? And that I'm being filled, that the Christ dwells in my heart by faith. That's the next layer. And then the next layer is that I'm rooted and I'm grounded in the love of God. I'm grounded in it. I'm not shaken from it. Nothing will take me off of it. No matter what happens, nothing. What is Romans 8? What can separate us from the love of God? Right? And then let's read it, actually, so I'm not quoting it. Because I probably will not get that one right. Romans 8, 35, who can separate us from the love of Christ? Will tribulation or distress or persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, sword, hardships, sickness, disappointments, oh, the list goes on. Just as it is written, for your sake, we are being put to death all day long. We were considered a sheep to a slaughter, to be slaughtered. But listen to this. So all these things try and knock us off the love of God. The Satan sends so many things to deter us from the love of God. We could be bombarded with them if we let ourselves. And that's why we've got to just settle it. Nope, God loves me. But in all these things, what things? That great big list we just read and the list that you could add to. In all these things, we overwhelmingly conquer. Overwhelmingly conquer. How? We overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. Why do you think, why do you think God had Paul write that in there? He could have just said we would have overwhelmingly conquered through God, right? He could have. But no, it's a reminder of you are going to overwhelmingly conquer all of these things that are trying to distract you, all of these things that are trying to take your attention, all these things that are trying to be your motivation and where your root system goes into, all of these things you can overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved you. Why? Because that's where our roots are grounded, in his love. So he is reminding us, don't let these things take you off course. God loves you. 
if I truly know how much God loves me, then when a sick, if a sickness comes or hard times come, I can go, okay, God, I, I'm going to walk through this, but I know that you're going to be here for with me. You're going to help me through this. You're going to walk along my side and guide me and show me what to do. You're going to bring other people along who love me and to help me as well. He has a way to bring you through to the other side every time. But what happens is the enemy comes and lies and lies and lies and convinces us that we're alone, convinces us that we can't do it, convinces us we're too weak, convinces us that that it just will never happen. But God is saying, no, come on. I love you. I'm not going to let you go. I'm not going to forsake you. I don't care what you've done. Let's go. You're my kid. You know, parents in this in, in the congregation today, you know, there's times your kids mess up and you just want to, you know, maybe sometimes you're like, but other times, <laughs> that's the flesh. That's not God's love. But there's other times that you just go, no, come here. You just need a hug right now. You just need to know that someone loves you right now. How many times in our lives do we just need to be reminded there's someone who loves us? It's going to be okay. He's not going to leave you. He's not going to desert you. He's going to be there. So by all these things, we overwhelmingly conquer. I better watch the time. Through him who loved us. For I am convinced. Everybody say, for I am convinced. That's that persuaded. That's that knowing I know that I know that I know that I know and nothing is going to change my mind on this. Sometimes it's that bulldog attitude, right? Like the bulldog that holds onto a toy and is like, my, I got a dog buddy. Oh my goodness, he's a wonderful dog, but he loves his toys and he does not want to share his toys with anyone, including Milo, the other dog I have. And Buddy, he will hold onto that toy and he will not let go. You can pull on that toy for minutes and he'll still hold on to it because it's his. He's not letting it go. And sometimes I, I, I do this and it reminds me, I got to be like this in my faith with God. I have got to hold on to this. And no matter what the enemy's trying to pull or tug or whoever, whatever's trying to get that out of me. No, no, I hold on. Oh, I'm not letting go because this is who I am. This is who God is in me. And I am not going to let it go. Nothing is going to take the love of God from me. Nothing is going to convince me that God doesn't love me. It's settled. Today, it's settled. And as we love him, I said earlier, we begin to be able to love ourselves. We begin to see ourselves differently. And we see others differently. Have you ever read 1 Corinthians 13 that I quoted Love is patience, love is kind, all of those. Have you ever read it and thought, oh, man, I don't know that I can do some of those. <laughs> they almost seem unattainable to me because in my natural ability, I can't. But with God, I can. And church, we have got to be able to walk in that kind of love in these last days towards each other, towards the people in our communities. And we might look at them and towards our government that we may not agree with, right? People in authority, we might be like, ooh, right? But we have got to learn to walk in love 
the kind of love that God asked us to walk in. Because that's what's going to change people. His love. His love will change people because they'll say, why are, you, why are you showing this kind of love and kindness to me? Nobody else does. I don't, because des- they're going to go, I don't deserve this. But that's why we can say, I didn't deserve God's love either. But he gave it to me. He freely gave it to me. No questions asked. God didn't, didn't sin- stand at the door at the church and go, mm, no, you can't come in. Okay, you can come in. No, you, no, you definitely can't. And, you know, he doesn't do that. He doesn't pick and choose. He says, all are welcome to me. Everyone come to me. And that's the kind of love we have got to have that all, everyone, we love. We love with the love of God. So for I'm convinced, I'm persuaded, I have full confidence that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, right? Things to come. So nothing in the future to come. I'm convinced of this. It's not going to separate me. No powers. That means the power of the enemy, right? Power of the enemy is not going to separate me from the love of God, nor height nor death, nor any other created thing. So no person, no person can separate us from God's love. As mad as you get at them and how you, no, don't let them, don't let them. We'll be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. So nothing can separate us through Christ Jesus, our Lord, right? That's what being Lord of our life is submitting to him. That means I'm submitting to his love. So I was telling you the pyramid, that's where I was at. (laughs) So rooted and grounded in love. And then he says, this is how vast, this is how great his love is. And then he says, you need to know it in an experience it. Your own personal experience with God. It's not good enough that your spouse experiences it. It's not good enough that your parents experience it. You have to experience it for yourself. And then you know the love of God. And then at the, then at the top of this pyramid is the fullness of Christ. The fullness, completeness of Christ. I just want to turn to one other scripture in 1 Corinthians or sorry, 1 John 4. As you're turning there, um, Jude 21 says, keeping yourself in the love of God, it's a choice. Every day it's a choice. It's a choice where I let my roots go down into. It's a choice that I choose to walk in the love of God. And it's a choice that I choose to believe the love of God. And as we're going to read it here, 1 John 4, 16. And we have come to know. There we go. We got it. That's that same word. To experience. His love has to become real to us. More real than any person that you even know. The love that they have, God's love has to become more real than that to you. So we have come to know and have believed. That word means confidence. 
I have, I know that I know that I know God's love and I have confidence. I have confidence that I can walk through anything. I have confidence that God's never going to leave me. I have confidence that he's going to be with me every step of the way. How do I have this confidence? Because I know who God is. I know his love. I know what he said. We have come to know and to believe the, the love or have the confidence in the love which God has for us. God is love. And the one who abides in love abides in God. As he is, or sorry, and God abides in him. So we see here that this is a two-way relationship. God abides in me, but then I abide in him. I abide in his love. That abide is that same dwell, right? May it take permanent residence. So I have got to take permanent residence in the love of God. That means I can't, I can't leave there. I got to stay there. And then God takes up permanent residence in me. And we have a mutual two-way relationship. It's not just a one-way relationship. It's not. It can't just be me needing God's love all the time. I have to, it's me abiding in him. It's me residing in him. And by this, by what? By abiding in him, by remaining, staying steadfast in him, love is perfected with us. Now, when we hear that, for a lot of years, that word perfected confused me. I was like, perfect love? Who can have perfect love? <laughs> Only God can have perfect love, right? Like, I'm human. They're, I'm going to mess up. And so, But when you look that word up in the Greek... It's, it's a maturing love. So another word for perfected is maturing. So it's a love that is growing and growing and growing and growing. So that doesn't mean that it's not always perfect in the sense of the word that we know perfect. But it is a love that is growing deeper and deeper and deeper. It's a relationship that continues on and it never ends. It goes until the end. So by abiding in God, love is matured within me. So how do I remain in the love of God? How do I keep my roots in the love of God? By abiding in him. By staying in him, by staying in the word. I, I know you, we hear it so much. Get in the word. Read the word. And it really is one of the keys to our victory in life. It's not enough to come and only hear this word on Sunday. That's right. It's not it's not going to fill you up to the, what you need to be filled up to live this life victorious. Yeah. It's not enough to, to cause you to walk in victory through these situations. Because what's happening is you're only hearing the word of God once in a week. But all around you, you are hearing all these other voices that aren't saying what God's saying. Right. 
So why do you think I feel like I'm empty? Why do I, why do I feel like I, you know, God's just not there? All of these things that we can feel, which are lies of the enemy, right? Why? Because we hear all these other voices for six other days of the week through social media, through TV, through coworkers, you know, maybe even through family. But we hear these voices and then we only hear the word of God once. We can't know God by only hearing him once in a week. And so, and you might say, but I just don't, it's just not interesting to me to read the word of God. I've been there. I bet you every person in this room at some point could raise their hand and say they've been there at some point. But that's where you just have to make that choice. You know, probably when you were three, you didn't like to brush your teeth. I don't know, probably most people didn't. I don't want to brush my teeth. No, but what? Good parents make us brush our teeth. Brush your teeth. Brush your teeth. Brush your teeth. (laughs) Now how many of you can say, you know what? I I brush my teeth quite freely. It's all right. I don't mind it at all. I don't even have to be reminded. Look, at even Josh said he brushes his teeth. (laughs) If Josh does it, we can all do it, right, Josh? Perfect. You know what I'm saying? There's things that we all start out not really liking to do, but we do it because it's important. We do it because, you know, our teeth don't fall out. I read the word of God so my life doesn't fall apart. Right? When you see the power in the word of God and, you, and, and your love for God, right? It's that love for him, the love for his word. And if you say, I'm not at that point, then let's pray that God stirs up that love, that first love that you had for him, that God renews that within you, renews the fire of that first spark of love so that you have that, that passion for him again, that, that the passion to read his word again, the passion to just spend time with him. So by this, love is matured with us so that we may have confidence. There we see it again. Love and confidence go together. We've read it three times now that when we are growing deeper in our love with God, our confidence increases. We're more confident in who God's called us to be. We're able to step out and do the things that he wants us to do. So we have confidence in the day of judgment because as he is, so are we also in this world. So as he is, so are you. The same power and authority he walked in, you can walk in. By his grace and by his love. So there is no fear in love. That's a big one. So anytime I make a decision... And I'm making it because I'm afraid of what someone might think. I'm afraid of what might happen. I'm afraid I might not have enough money. Those are all fear, right? This is where we get to examine our lives and say, if I'm making decisions out of this fear, what's my root system connected to right now, right? 
Because mature love, it says, as we read, but perfect love or mature love casts out fear. So if you find yourself making decisions based on fear or acting out of fear or saying things out of fear, check your root system. Because fru- fear sorry, is the, ru- is the fruit. Yeah. And the fruit isn't the issue. The root is. So check where that root is digging, what it's digging into. What's it going down into? And then if it's not the love of God, chop it off. Yeah. We, you don't want it to keep going into the things that are not of God. Because you're going to produce fruit that you don't want. Fear, uh, because fear involves punishment. So it's that torment, right? Fear leads to torment. But perfect, mature love casts out fear. And the one who fears is not perfected or matured in love. So my question today, I've asked it once. Maybe I've asked it a few times, but I'm going to ask it again. Because repetition it's a good thing. Yeah. Even God said so, right? Faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing again. And then when you think you've heard it enough, keep hearing it, right? right? That's how faith comes. So repetition is good in the kingdom of God. We need to hear these things. Where, what is your root system connected to? What's it connected to? And you'll know by the fruit that's coming out of your life. Listen to what you're saying. Watch your actions. What are your thoughts? Examine these things and say either, yes, this is a good root system, or "Mm, I better try again. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I I better dig it up and plant it again and get planted in the things of God because we have to have the root system to have the right fruit. We have to know God. My prayer today is what Paul prayed for you. He didn't pray that you would love God more. He prayed that you would know the love God more, that you would know who God truly is. You would know that regardless of your past, he loves you. Regardless of your future, he loves you. He loves every part of you. How many times does the enemy come and make us criticize things about ourselves that we don't even like? But that's, once again, who are we listening to? Where's our root system? Because God says, I've made you the way I wanted you to be. I've created you in my likeness, and you are perfectly and wonderfully made. Amen. 